0: I just want to have experiences that wouldn't otherwise be accessible, like those business or first class seats. Everyone travel hacks for different reasons. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Daily Drop podcast. Today is a special bonus episode where I'm going to be talking about travel hacking 101. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. I never get tired about talking about all things beginner travel hacking. So I'm really excited for this episode and I really hope you enjoy it as well. You know, we have a ton of resources on Travel Hacking 101 and I'll definitely link up our resources in the show notes so that you can dive as deep as you want into all things travel hacking. But this episode really stemmed from a listener question. Landon sent in a question. He said, I would love for you to do a complete beginner episode. I'm not a brand loyalist at this point, and I'm ready to try whatever. We would like to essentially start over from the ground up with new cards for air and hotel with better international options. And I would love to share this episode with friends and family so they can get started as well. So thank you for your question, Landon, and we would love for you all to share this episode if it's helpful for you. And if you ever have any questions as well about travel hacking, do send them over to podcast at drop.com. So thank you for inspiring this episode, and I'm so excited to dive into it, if I haven't said that enough. Uh, my excitement overflows and you know like i said at the beginning we do have a ton of resources on travel hacking 101 and i realize that everyone learns and takes in information in different ways so my hope is that this episode is just another way for you to get those really solid foundations and then just one more very very quick announcement before we dive into travel hacking 101 concepts if you're listening to this in real time, so we are at the very start of November right now. If you're listening to this around that time frame, next week inside of the Daily Drop Lounge, we are hosting November Newbie Week, where each day we are breaking down a beginner travel hacking experience topic and we will pin those to the top of the lounge in the featured section. So we'll keep those up a week after November Newbie Week happens. And then after that, we'll put them in the guides section of our Daily Drop Lounge. So even if you're not listening to this in real time, you'll still be able to find those November Newbie Week posts so that you can dive deep and really like zoom into very specific beginner travel hacking concepts. So The link to join the lounge is in the show notes. If you want to come over and join us for Newbie Week, I have some prizes I'm handing out and it's just going to be a fun party. It's always a party in the lounge. Uh, This is also the place that you can find most of the resources that we chat about in our episodes. So come on in and join us. It's my favorite place to hang out on the internet. All right. Let us get into Travel Hacking 101. I'm just Oh, I'm so jazzed up. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say I'm excited again. So, when we talk about travel hacking, it's really all about saving money on travel. And you know, we might share some top deals and promos and different things like that, but at the heart of travel hacking, it's really all about earning and redeeming points. So, you're earning points to redeem for travel, allowing you to land heavily discounted travel if not completely free. I think, you know, there is a misconception that I'll clear up right here at the beginning that a lot of times when we do hear travel hacking, we think free travel, but there are still going to be some unavoidable fees when it comes to redeeming your points. There might be taxes or fuel surcharges or other fees that do pop up. So it is something to keep in mind as you're going. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still pretty sweet to save a ton of money on travel, and really, the best beginning tip that I can give you is to take it one step at a time. I often say the most simple way to maximize travel hacking is earn points and redeem for travel, and it is truly that simple. Those are really the two overarching themes of travel hacking. There's earning points and there's redeeming points. And then there's just like a bunch of subcategories under each of those. There's a bunch of ways to earn points and there's a bunch of ways to redeem points. And the best tip I can give you at the beginning is just take it one step at a time. Get clear on what your goal is, what your long-term strategy is. Are you someone that does one big trip a year and just wants to like do that one big trip in a really Big way? Are you someone that wants to go on longer, slow travel adventures? Are you someone that wants to see absolutely everywhere and you're happy to just hop around to countries? Like, I think if you get really clear on that, it can help you with your long term strategy. And your first focus point is earning points. Now, you can earn these points through airlines, hotels, and banks, aka credit cards. And the best and the fastest way is through cards. And I think I have to caveat in this episode, since it might be your first time learning about travel hacking, is that the most important note here is that you must use your credit cards like they are cash. No spending more than you already are. It would be extraordinarily counterproductive to spend more money in order to earn travel. It's just, it's not the way to do it. You cannot maximize travel hacking with cards unless you are using your cards like they are cash. Most important thing to remember in your travel hacking journey. So, like I said, you can earn points through airlines, you can earn points through hotels, you can earn points through banks, which are your credit cards, and we talk about earning points through cards the most around here at Daily Drop, and that's because that is the fastest way to earn points. It's so much faster to earn points on the ground with your cards than it is up in the air flying in order to earn your points. I walked through an example of why this is true in our Travel Hacking 101 uh, class. So if you do want to break that down a little bit more, I will link up our most recent replay of Travel Hacking 101 in the show notes. But let's break down bank points a little bit because they are the fastest way to earn points for international travel. And really what it comes down to is because these points are fast and they're flexible. And we're gonna break down both earning and redeeming. And when it comes to speed, fast, they're fast to earn. And when it comes to flexibility, they're flexible to redeem. You're, you have more options for redeeming bank points than you do other points. So let's talk about why they are fast to earn. One of the biggest reasons is thanks to sign-up bonuses. Now sign-up bonuses are incentives that banks give you to join and they're usually connected to a minimum spend in a certain amount of time. And one question that I often get is what is S-U-B? This is an acronym that comes up a lot in the lounge or other travel hacking spaces. That is just sign-up bonus, S-U-B, sign-up bonus, sub. So if you ever hear anyone say Uh, my sub is da-da-da. They're talking about a sign-up bonus. So sign-up bonuses are really, I just think they're such an easy beginner travel hack. I think it's one of the best places to start because you earn a huge lump sum of points in a time frame that wouldn't generally be as accessible with everyday spend. Sign-up bonuses are how I was able to be on a fresh out of college budget and still be able to travel hack because you can find sign-up bonuses with minimum spends that aren't outrageously high. They're generally quite close to the average monthly spend of most Americans. Another important little caveat here is that here at Daily Drop, we primarily talk about offers that are U.S. based and cards that are U.S. based. I'll say that the principles are the same no matter where you live. So if you live in another country, um, you're still going to have access to credit card signup bonus offers. You're going to have access to various um, airline and hotel programs. Uh, It'll just be a little different program wise, but the principles are really still the same across the board. So anyways, I digress back to signup bonuses. When it comes to sign up bonuses, uh, it really is just a way to be a pretty casual travel hacker as well. So you can be a full on obsessed miles and points nerd and implement all the things and like do what I could equate to rocket science with points and miles, or you could just be a super chill, casual travel hacker. The journey is really up to you. And when it comes to being a really chill, casual travel hacker, sign-up bonuses are really an easy way to accomplish that. So then, I think the next question that comes into play is: What card do I choose? What card do I choose to earn the sign-up bonuses and then to continue earning points? So when it comes to cards that you can earn travel rewards on, there are specific cards that earn travel rewards. And then there are also what we call co-branded cards. These are cards through airlines and hotels. So we have bank cards, which are cards like the at Chase Sapphire Preferred, the Chase Sapphire Reserve, the Capital One Venture, the Capital One Venture X. These are specifically cards that earn travel rewards. And then we have cards like the United Explorer, the Delta Sky Miles, the uh, World of Hyatt card. These are cards that are through airlines and hotels, and we call those co-branded cards. And your brain might think, the co-branded card is the one that makes sense to earn travel because it's through a travel company, right? But co-branded cards actually have a lot more restrictions than our bank cards do. And while there's definitely reasons to have co-branded cards and there's circumstances that it makes sense, uh, I would recommend starting with your bank points, your bank cards, like through Chase, Capital One, American Express, because you're going to be able to be more flexible with your points. So when you have a co-branded card, your points and miles live within the program it's branded through. So if you have a United Mileage Explorer, a Mileage Plus Explorer card, those miles that you earn live in United, and they 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 live and die in United. (laughs) That is where you can use those miles. Whereas if you have a Chase Sapphire preferred you can use your points on united you can use your points on virgin atlantic you can use your points on i'm testing my memory here on transfer partners which we'll talk about here shortly um you also have access to a portal so you just have more options for where you can use points that you earn through bank cards you have more flexibility whereas your co-branded cards are quite restricted your miles are stuck there you don't have as many options So when it comes to starting travel hacking, two of our favorite cards and everyone's circumstances are different um, when it comes to what card makes the most sense for you. But two of our favorite cards to start with are the Chase Sapphire Preferred or the Capital One Venture X. These are ones that we recommend as first starter cards to have in your wallet. And Both of those cards are going to require you to have a credit score of 700 or more and then various different credit history factors as well. But those are kind of two great ones to start with when it comes to travel hacking. They're great um, banks for your points to live in. They're great ecosystems to start your miles and points journey. And they generally have excellent sign-up bonuses, which sign-up bonuses do fluctuate over time. We always keep you up to date with those on Daily Drop, of course, but both of those cards have great sign-up bonus offers uh, year-round and often elevate them as well. And they're just great travel cards to have overall. I won't go into all of the um, benefits of both of those cards, but that is something I do in Travel Hacking 101 uh, if you're interested in that breakdown then from there, once you earn that signup bonus on a card that's earning flexible points, there are so many other ways to continue earning points and to continue pulling your points together outside of signup bonuses. So I'll share a few with you, but again, I'll remind you, earn points, redeem for travel, keep it that simple. So you can earn more points with things like spend multipliers. So this is when you hear us say things like, Um, 2x on x purchase or 3x on x purchase. And so as you're thinking about kind of the long-term strategy with your travel hacking, looking at spend multipliers is something that can really help you balance out what you do have in your wallet. So for example, you might have the Chase Sapphire Preferred that earns 3x on dining, And then you might have a venture X in your wallet that earns two X on everything else that you're purchasing. So spend multipliers are a way you can continue to earn points. One of my personal favorite ways to really maximize and earn a lot of points is through two player mode. This is when you and a partner travel hack together. And it could be someone you actually travel with and most commonly is, but it could also just be a friend that's interested in travel hacking. And this is where you refer them over to a card. You earn referral points for referring them over. They earn the sign-up bonus. Everyone wins all around. And in some cases, if you're doing that as two people that travel together, you can pull all of your points together so you have even more points. Other ways to continue earning points are through things like portals. We have a whole class on portals. You can also get special offers through Chase, through American Express, through Capital One, where you can earn more points on certain purchases and you can earn sign-up bonuses again. Now, each bank has different rules on when you can earn a sign-up bonus again, so you have to get to know those a little bit. This is one of the reasons we recommend starting with cards like the Chase Sapphire Preferred because Chase has various rules around when you can earn a sign-up bonus again and also how many cards you have signed up for um, before you can get another card so there's various rules which we're going to be covering inside of november newbie week Um, but you can earn sign up bonuses again and this is a way that people maximize earning points and again on those flexible point earning cards so you have access to redeem those points in many different ways So I'm going to give you an example of sign-up bonuses. I'm actually going to give you two examples of sign-up bonuses in action because one of the questions that we got when I, um, I did a call out for questions in the lounge for what beginner questions do you need answered for travel hacking? And one question we got was, how are you earning so many points that you get this free or cheap travel? What is your average monthly spend? And this is a very common question. One of the number one questions we get is, How do you keep earning points? And really, the answer to that is the combo of many travel hacks in one. But I do want to break down just two examples of sign up bonuses in action and points that I personally earned this year, maximizing on sign up bonuses. So you can see the power of a sign up bonus in action. And also, I want to say, I think I said this in the beginning already, everyone's circumstance is different and everyone travel hacks for different reasons as well. You know, some people are like, I want to get as many economy seats as possible. Whereas some people are like, I just want to have experiences that wouldn't otherwise be accessible, like those business or first class seats. Everyone travel hacks for different reasons and everyone's circumstances are different. So even if we have the same monthly spend, we might be spending that on different things. And so It gets a little tricky to say, here's an example of the exact monthly spend and the exact points you can earn because there's really just infinite directions that you can go in with that. And I really think it's more about taking it one step at a time, finding a program that works for you, treating that card like cash and maximizing on the offers um, that pair really well with that. So here are two examples of ways that I've maximized on signup bonuses this year. So early on in the year, uh, myself and my husband earned over 300,000 member rewards points between one American Express Platinum and one American Express Gold. So we did that because we each earned a signup bonus on each of those cards. So one of us earned the American Express Platinum, one of us earned the American Express Gold. The one that Earned the American Express Platinum first, referred over the other person to the American Express Gold. So we then got referral points along with two sign up bonuses. And then outside of that, we really only used those cards for some expenses that we had for groceries because the American Express Gold has four Exxon groceries. And let's face it, that is probably one of all of our top expenses um, just in general. So Really use that gold card to maximize on groceries, and then we also shop through the Rakuten portal, which you can connect to your American Express card. And through so through combining those different ways of earning points on top of two really big signup bonuses and referral points, we were able to earn over three hundred thousand member rewards points. Now let's do a smaller scale example. If you're like, whoa. <laughs> That was a lot of points, and I don't even know if I'm ready for two-player mode, or I don't know if I can do two-player mode, or whatever it is, re- or I I, I, don't, I don't have anyone to refer over, whatever it is. You can also do this on a smaller scale. So I'm going to talk about a way that I've earned about 40,000 points without any two-player mode just by myself. So on a smaller scale, um, I got the built card in September. It is now November, and I've earned 40,000 points on that card. So I did this simply by putting my rent on that card because Built is one of the only um, cards that doesn't charge you transaction fees for rent. I also got their unofficial signup bonus that not everyone gets, which is 5x for the first five days on anything other than rent. So I maximized on that. And I also do pretty much all of Built's free point challenges. They have different um, opportunities for you to connect accounts and earn bonus points. So I'm just doing all those little bonuses and promos to earn more points. Just got that card in September. We're just barely into November and I've earned about 40,000 points on that card. Just me doing that. Um, And there's still ways to really maximize on that card. So Hopefully those two examples just give you an idea of how signup bonuses are super powerful. I mean, 40,000 built points can go a long way. That can be a couple of economy seats with their insane rent day promos that they do, where you can get things like uh, 100% transfer bonuses. I mean, that could be Huge um, to have a hundred percent transfer bonus on forty thousand points. I mean, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, and if you're like, whoa, 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 what's the transfer bonus? What's going on? We haven't talked about redeeming yet. Okay, I'll take I'll reel myself back in here. But the point is, earning forty thousand points is meaningful, and. Built doesn't actually even have a sign up bonus outside of their unofficial sign up bonus of 5x points. And so uh, this is how you can earn points. You just get clear on where your expenses are and what's going to work really well for you. All right, now let's start to talk about redeeming and then we're going to do some questions. So I mentioned that you want to earn bank points because they're fast and they're flexible. And so when it comes to flexibility, what I'm really talking about is the redemptions that you can do with bank points. So when you're earning points through your cards, you can use those in both a, you can use those points in two ways. So you can use them as fixed points and you can use them as transfer points. Fixed points are when your points have a specific value. So this is when you use your points through a portal. So let's use the, Chase Sapphire Preferred as an example. If you use your points through the Chase portal, your points are always going to be worth 1.25 cents. No matter what, no matter what you find, no matter where you're going, your points are going to be worth 1.25 cents every single time. Another example of using fixed points is Capital One Venture is super unique because you can use your points to cover any travel purchase. It doesn't have to be through the portal. It doesn't have to be through a transfer partner. You can cover any travel purchase for one cent per point. And this is another way of using fixed points. No matter what, no matter what you do, no matter how you spin it, you're going to get one cent per point on travel purchases unless you transfer your points, which we'll talk about in a second. But basically fixed points mean this are a, a specific value And you're not going to get a different value, no matter what you do or how you spin it, unless there's like a bonus going on or something like that, which in which case you would know still what the fixed value is. Fixed points are, they're a fine place to begin when it comes to travel hacking. You know, my very first travel hacked trip, I went to the Maldives and I booked them those tickets through a portal and I went to the Maldives. I'm never going to regret that trip. And I've earned many, many points since then. And even though I used over a hundred thousand points to book two seats in Economy, again, I'll never regret that. And so the way I booked that with my fixed points is I earned points with the Chase Sapphire preferred signup bonus. I then booked my flights through the Chase portal and booked them with points. They were worth 1.25 cents. And it's it's easy. It's easy to use points in a portal. You basically just click and go even with Capital One Miles and redeeming them for travel purchases, you just click a little button that says redeem points for travel purchase. So fixed points are easy to use. The availability is usually a lot more open. The only downside is you're booking through a portal usually, and that is a third party. So when you book through a bank portal, you're booking through a third party. Which means if something happens with your flight or your hotel, you're dealing with the portal instead of the company itself. And that can get a little messy at times. And then also you're generally going to get a lower value than when you transfer points because you are fixed at the single rate. You're not changing that. Now, with transfer points, this is when you can transfer your points from a bank over to your airline of choice. And the value ranges when you do this. So when you transfer your points from bank to airline, you can get anywhere from $0.02 to $0.05 to $0.10 worth of value per point. And because of the way airlines price their award seats, that's why you're generally getting a higher value on your points. Airlines price their award seats in a few different pricing models. I won't go into those right now, but we do have an entire book, not book, (laughs) an entire class on transfer points that you can watch. And I break down the different pricing models, but basically airlines don't price in a fixed way based on the cash like portals do. And so because of that, you can get higher value on your seats. Now you can only transfer From bank to airline. You cannot transfer from airline to bank. Generally speaking, you also cannot transfer airline to airline. There are a few exceptions to that, but bank to airline is the way to transfer your points. And the most important thing to remember is once you transfer your points, you cannot transfer them back. So you need to do your research. You need to search Through airlines to find the best award pricing available before you transfer your points. Now, like I said a moment ago, we have a class all about transfer points where I walk through step by step how to transfer your points, how to find award space um, in order to book an award seat, which is a seat that's bookable with points. And I feel like I just couldn't do it the same justice chatting through it on a podcast because you actually see on the screen on the bank and airline site how you transfer points over. I feel like I just can't do it the same justice on a podcast in just audio form. So if you want to walk through a step-by-step process, if you're like, I still don't understand this transfer point thing, um, I'll link that class up in the show notes so you can watch it. But transfer points is really the way you're going to get the most maximum value out of your points. The only downside is availability. Not every seat is bookable with points. So at times, you have to be able to be a little flexible with your travel. That's definitely not to say you can't find a seat on the date you want to travel. I've done it many, many times. uh, And I know many other people that have as well. But, you know, we did have um, one question or statement, I suppose, right in that said, you know, you you all talk a lot about travel redemptions, but availability is often not addressed and it is a huge hurdle. And I think that's fair because, like I said a second ago, not every seat is bookable with points. And so if if you have little to no flexibility, that can be a roadblock that you run into. Um, it can be it is rare to be able, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's rare to be able to say, I want to fly to this place on this day in this class of service for this many points. And then to just find all of those straight away, it does take a bit of research. Um, It can take some flexibility. And if you are doing your searches and you're like, I can't find a seat on the on the flight that I want to go on? Um, what am I doing wrong? The answer might be you're not doing anything wrong and that there's just not a space. So it is something to keep in mind. But all that to say, transfer points are generally where you're going to get max value. And we have a whole class walking through um, how to book with transfer points. So that is your homework or your next step um, from this podcast. All right. I'm going to dive into a few questions. So I put a post in the lounge saying, um, what do you newbies want to know about travel hacking? We have some exciting things coming out. What questions do you need answered? So I'm going to take some time to answer a few of the ones that I feel like will be supportive for um, all of you listeners. So the first question, all the airlines, it is so confusing to me. And how do you find them as options? I'm thinking this person means like, how do you find the redemptions? Like, how are you finding, how are you sifting through all of the different airlines? And the answer to this is research and we have my favorite resource and our most popular resource is our transfer partner cheat sheet where we have broken down by bank what airlines you are able to transfer your points to. And this is a great tool to help you decide what card to start with as well because you might have a specific trip in mind and then you might see um, an airline that you know could take you there, and that might be where you put your focus on earning points. But I think that is the best resource to answer this question. Uh, and how how do I sift through all of the different airlines? Well, you need to only search through airlines you have transfer point access to. Um, and then outside of that, if you do want to use your points inside of a portal, um, that's easy. You just search click, go, look. Um, but other than that, use the transfer point, transfer partners cheat sheet to search through the partners that you have access to. All right, next question that came through was, do bonus points have an expiration? What about a few transfer points? Do they have an expiration? So when it comes to points that you earn on cards, they don't expire. Generally, they don't expire as long as you keep the card open and you are being responsible with your card. But I know everyone here, everyone listening is only treating their card like cash and paying their balance off every month, right? Um, So as long as your account is open and in good standing, generally your points aren't going to expire in a bank. I like to caveat everything in travel hacking with general, generally, uh, or one of our favorite travel hacking answers is it depends because... (laughs) Banks, different programs, they all vary in their rules and they change really quick, so uh, there's often exceptions, but generally speaking, overall bank points aren't going to expire as long as you're you're keeping your account open. As for transfer points now, this is where my it depends answer comes because each airline does have varying rules on. Um, points and expiration dates and how you can keep them active. Uh, so you you need to check on that depending on where you're transferring your points to. And then this just opens up a whole other conversation around speculatively transferring, meaning transferring points when you don't actually have something in mind to book, um, which can be a risky game. <laughs> you know, I think we can get into that in another episode. But generally speaking, if it's not a A flight that you know you're booking and you're transferring points for that or in rare exceptions and I'll just be very careful with this um, just a program that you fly with quite often so I think Mike shared in a recent episode that you know if Air Canada had a I don't know 50% transfer bonus or something just really awesome because he uses that program so much he might consider it Um, or for me I fly Virgin Atlantic at least twice a year Um, and so if built has another 100% transfer bonus, I might consider transferring my points. But I would say if you're a beginner and you're just getting into this and you're just starting to understand transfer points, um, I would, I would be cautious with speculatively transferring points and only transfer when you have something that you're ready to book. All right. Next question. Um, Okay, so there were two questions on this concept. Is it worth it to just pay cash sometimes? You know, I never see anyone mention that. Um, For example, I saw MCO to Dublin round trip $500 cash, but reward tickets were 30,000 points plus $250 in taxes and fees. So, and there was another question with that same concept, but with British Airways, so who is... Known for having high taxes and fees when you fly into the UK. So yes, there are absolutely times that it's worth it to just pay cash. I would say, you know, in the travel hacking space, you don't often see people talk about things they booked with cash because the focus is on miles and points, but that doesn't mean they're not using cash. For example, I just used cash to fly back from the UK earlier this year. I flew on miles and points to the UK, but then when I was researching my way home and I was looking at how many points and miles it would take, I found a flight on Norse Atlantic for um, $300 back to the US uh, and then I ended up doing a really cheap upgrade to their premium economy and um, And in that case, it made sense to just book with cash because $300 was in my budget for travel at that time. The amount of points it was going to take didn't make sense for me, especially based on travel I had upcoming. So yeah, absolutely. There's times it makes sense to pay cash. Sometimes you just might find an awesome deal. Uh, I one time stumbled across a deal for $150 to fly Orlando to London, And so, yeah, I'm going to jump on that. I'm, I'm not going to even, in that case, I didn't even research with points and miles. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to balance it out for yourself. It all comes down to your circumstances, your travel goals, what you have upcoming. Um, and then there is a formula you can use to determine the value of your miles. So if you want to find out the value per mile, so you might have heard me saying earlier when I was talking about your fixed points, they're always going to be worth 1.25 cents. And then with transfer points, they're going to vary from, I generally like to say above 2 cents for transfer points, and then it goes, gosh, up. Up, up, and away from there. My, I've had transfer points that were worth 16 cents each. So the way you can find that, and the way that can help you answer this question, is you would take the value of award. So how much the award is, minus any taxes and fees. So I find the value of the award just by um, going onto Google Flights and looking up how much it would be cash to fly to that destination. So let's say your flight is $1,000, and then let's say there's $100 of taxes and fees on the, on your award ticket. You would subtract the taxes and fees, so you would then be at $900. So if your award is worth $900, then you divide that by the total number of miles. So let's say that you're... I'm going to have to get my my calculator out for this, my friends real time math. So let's say your award is worth $900. And let's say it costs 25,000 miles to fly. So you would do 900 divided by 25,000 miles. And I'll show it on the screen. Oh, It's backwards. For those of you watching on YouTube, um, it's going to come out as 0.036. Award would be worth 3.6 cents per point. So repeating the formula, value of award. Minus any taxes and fees you would have to pay out of pocket, divided by total points that you would redeem gives you the value per point. Maybe I'll write that in the show notes description so you can have it handy. So you can use that formula. I, I would say don't get caught up in that formula. Don't get caught up in like finding the best value and seeing if you can get more and more and more out of your miles and better and better and better, that can put you in a a dangerous cycle. Um, But you can use that formula to do smart research and to find out how much value you're getting out of the points that you're using versus does it just make sense to pay cash in in this case? All right, next question. When is it the best time to start searching for award flights? A year in advance or last minute? Is there a way to search multiple destinations at once if you don't know where you want to go? All right, so let's start with the availability question, or yeah, the availability question, like when you start searching for awards. So, generally speaking, my favorite travel hacking term, (laughs) you're going to find the best deals, especially when it comes to landing those business class flights, Um, anywhere from 355 to 365 days in advance, which we have when award space opens listed on our transfer partner cheat sheet. So you can see when award space opens and airlines open up different amounts of award space on their flights and they all have varying rules, but generally speaking, they're going to open kind of the best of the best right when they open their award space. And then right at the last minute, as this person mentioned in their question, they'll open more space if they have it. You know, at the end of the day, airlines are going to value people who are paying cash for their seats, which is why they'll hold out on opening up more award space. So generally speaking, one year in advance and then that last minute mark will be a good time to look for especially those business class seats, but in general, most availability. That being said, I am I, I'm known, I, I share this in the lounge all the time. I'm not a planner. I rarely ever, I don't know if I've ever planned a trip one year in advance. I'm just, I'm not a planner. It's not my thing. And I'm very grateful that I I do have a lot of flexibility available when it comes to travel for me. Um and that's very circumstantial. This is, again, where travel hacking um, really varies circumstance by circumstance. But I wanted to share that because I have found excellent deals anywhere from that um, four months in advance is kind of a time that I start planning travel um, and two months in advance. And I've still been able to find award space. That's awesome. And I've still been able to find great deals. You know, I shared in my trip report where I booked my the flights for my family. Um, I booked everyone in premium economy four months before the trip. So if you can't plan a year in advance or if you're already past that year mark, don't stress yourself out. You can still find a deal. And then when it comes to last minute space, you might not have that much flexibility like some people do. But um, One thing you can do, and this is going to take some research and getting to know the terms and conditions of your ticket, um, but you can book what's called a safety flight. And this is where you book a flight that you would be totally fine with taking if the last minute thing doesn't work out. Um, It has to be a flight that is refundable. So that's where the research needs to come in. Some award programs charge change fees, cancellation fees, So you need to look that up if you're going to do this to make sure it's something that's going to make sense for you. And then when you get to that last minute mark, um, you can check award availability again. And if something opens up like a business class seat that you have enough points and miles for, you can change your flight um, and book that one instead. So that way, you know you have something booked. You're not waiting last minute to book something, Um, but you can change it to... I also talked about that in my trip report with the Scotland trip where we booked flights Manchester back to home, but then we were really looking for something Edinburgh back to home. Um, And so we were able to change that. Virgin Atlantic does charge a small change fee, um, but we were able to change that because of last minute availability. So that's an option for you. The other question, is there a way to search multiple destinations at once if you don't know where you want to go? Um, I mean, not really. There's not really a program that does that. You could use like free award search seat tools and just search different um, locations. And that might be just like a faster way for you to get an idea of where you might want to go. But there's not really, there's not a software out there that I know of that you can search multiple destinations at once. If someone does know of one, write it in let us know. We'll share it as a tip on a future episode. All right, let's see. I know my goal was to keep this under an hour. So I'm going to try and do two more questions here. And then as always, uh, send your questions in. We'll answer them on future episodes and some of these other ones I'll pull into some of our other content in the lounge or in a future episode. All right, let's do this one. How to travel hack when your dates aren't flexible. My fiance needs to give work four months notice four days off. And then also travel hacking when you're starting from smaller airports two great questions. So when it comes to flexibility, you know, I think there's a couple of things that come into play here. Um, just getting clear on your plans and then starting to do the research for, like I said a moment ago, four months is um, a place that I find a lot of my award flights, a place, a place in time <laughs> that I find my award flights. So just, you know, getting clear on your plans, doing your research um, and seeing what you can find. And also, You know, we said in another episode, we're going to do a whole episode on portals because there's just a lot to break down on booking travel through a portal. And people feel very strongly about booking travel through portals because they've had bad experiences, because it is a third party and booking through a third party comes with a lot of um, potential roadblocks. But I am not anti-portal. I've booked travel through portals. I've had great experiences And when it comes to if you don't have a lot of flexibility, portals have more availability than transfer points do. And you might find a deal in there that feels really good for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, I always say my motto is the best points are the ones that you use (laughs) because you're going on a trip. And if it's if the experience is worth it to you, like, just go for it. You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to remember endlessly stir over the value of a point that you use on an amazing trip. You're just going to remember the amazing trip. Like, yes, I could have gotten more value per point on the trip that I went to the Maldives um, when I very first started travel hacking. But I went to the Maldives. I'm never going to sit there and be like, "Dang, I wish I didn't book that. I wish I booked it a different way. No, I'm so happy I did because it got me into travel hacking. So at the end of the day, if it's worth it to you, book it. And there are ways to travel hack when your dates aren't flexible. Um, But I would say it just comes down to, you know, doing your research and then knowing your options. Uh, I also, I mean, I would just throw in, I just think Capital One miles are so valuable um, because of the flexibility of using them. Where you do have access to book any flight with points because you can redeem all travel purchases at one cent per point. Um, So that's another option for you. I think it's just, you know, it comes down to knowing what works for you um, and doing your research. And travel hacking from smaller airports. This is still counting as one question, by the way. I said I was going to do two more, but she had a two-in-one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that. Um, travel hacking from smaller airports. So one tip we love to give for if you don't live near an airport that has international flights, um, or just the routes that you're looking for is looking into positioning flights. So this is where you position yourself to another city before taking an award flight or just a cheaper flight that you've found. And you can do this with points or with cash. So we helped um, two of the people that came to our wedding. They lived in um, Kentucky and we weren't able to find any great redemptions from um, louisville lexington or cincinnati for them but we did find a really great award flight from atlanta and so we helped them find a cheap cash flight from cincinnati to atlanta and then they were able to redeem points atlanta to manchester so a positioning flight is finding a cheap flight to get you to an airport that has a better redemption so it's like an extra step of research but it can be worth it in the end um for you to be able to have a good redemption. So positioning flights, positioning flights for the win. Okay, last question. Last question for today. I'm going to hold myself back because these are amazing questions. Um, When should I consider upgrading to a higher level card? What's the tipping point? Where is it worth it? This is a great question. And you know, I shared that one of our favorite First, travel cards to have is the Capital One Venture X, which comes with a $395 annual fee. And a lot of the premium travel cards come with a hefty annual fee. And that's because you're going to get higher perks and benefits with those cards. But when it comes to, you know, when should I consider um, upgrading to a higher level card? You know, I think that comes down to one, your travel style. And then two, um, what your what value you're going to get out of the perks and benefits that that specific card has. So for example, we'll just stick with the Capital One Venture X card because we've already been talking about it in this episode. Um, $395 annual fee, but it comes with a $300 annual travel credit. So are you going to use that? Because that already brings the net value down on the annual fee. It also comes with 10,000 bonus anniversary miles. So are you going to use those Brings the net value down. Um, It also comes with a lounge lounge access. You get priority pass, Plaza Premium, and Capital One Lounge. And I wouldn't say this necessarily brings the net value down, but are you going to get use out of that? Um, I know I get use out of the lounge pass every single time I go to the airport, so I can't necessarily count it as a monetary. Um, value because it doesn't actually bring the cash down, but it's a benefit that I really enjoy and I really get a lot of use out of. Um, And then it also comes with things like travel insurance and various perks and benefits. And so with any card that comes with a high annual fee, you really just have to look at, am I going to get the value out of this card? is it something that i know i'm going to use so you know i'll just i said i was going to use one card as an example but i'll mention the american express platinum which is essentially i think mike always calls it a a a coupon book it definitely comes with other travel perks and benefits but if you're not going to get use out of any of the credits that come with that card um then you really have to consider what value am i going to get out of this card and I think the final thing to think about is the signup bonus that comes with and then the potential for earning more points along the way. And again, this is one where, you know, it's not that super clear net value because it's a monetary credit. But how much are you going to be able to save in travel? How often are you going to use those points is something I consider um, when looking at those higher level cards as well. So again, this is one that's very circumstance based. Um, It's different for each person. But you know, I would just say the tipping point is when you're going to get the value out of the perks and benefits that that card comes with. You know, if you're like, I absolutely know that I'm not going to travel anywhere for the next two years, which would, you know, I guess be strange to have someone like that listening to the travel hacking podcast. But if you absolutely know you cannot do that, you know, maybe the X doesn't make sense because you're not going to be able to use um, that travel credit for the next two years. I don't know. That was maybe a silly example, but... (laughs) It comes down to considering those perks and benefits and the value you're going to get out of it. Okay, my friends, I'm going to stop myself on the questions from there, but I hope this was so supportive for you as a 101 episode. You know, let me know if you loved this one-on-one episode and you want more one-on-ones, one-on-one, 101. I don't know if I've been saying one-on-one or 101. 101, like in school, um, episodes, and we could break down some other foundational concepts uh, for all of you travel hacking beginners out there. Like I said, I love talking about 101 concepts. I love talking about the beginning stages of travel hacking and going back to the basics. So let me know. How this was for you if you want more 101 based episodes and do come over to the lounge because we're constantly putting out resources that are supporting any level of travel hacker Um, so come on over and join us if you haven't already and as always you can Uh, Get connected with all things Daily Drop over on DailyDrop.com, including subscribing to our five times per week awesome newsletter. And you can find us over on all the socials at Daily Drop on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. And if you love listening to this podcast and you haven't already, do make sure you subscribe, leave us a review. It really helps us out in creating more of this content. And it just brings me so much joy when I read those reviews as well. So thank you so much for listening as always. And happy, ha- man, that's always a tongue twister for me. Happy travel hacking, my friends. I'll see you next episode.